Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Do you believe it? Do you believe in miracles? Yes. So don't sit here and call out the players who are busting their ass trying to win games. They teased no, us. They, they teased themselves. They're teasing us. They didn't tease they you. Sweet. No, look at my brass cojones because I throw the ball. You like that, Spanish Academy? You can't talk the talk and not walk the walk and then expect everybody to be okay with it. That's all. You want to know how real fan I am? I took out a personal load to go to the playoffs in 2015. If you're a real fan, a real fan, you say, so what? I've done enough scoreboard watching. The only scoreboard that matters is the one that's in front of our face. Next week is probably going to be an intervention. So let's talk about it next on Amazing But True. Woo! Welcome to a season preview edition of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. It's Jake Brown here, Nelson Figueroa there, coming at you every Monday, all season long. And Figgy, our next show will be after Mets games happen. Well, let's hope they do, because the weather right now in D.C. is looking suspect. You know, Al Roker and Mother Nature are not doing us any justice down in D.C. at Nationals Park. Follow us at Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy NY, at Amazing But True. Subscribe, rate, review, get us. And Figgy, let me start out by saying this. Why can't we have nice (laughs) things? You go into this season, into this Mets season, with all the hype in the world, DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, all these hitters, a solid bullpen, enough pieces to win a championship. And you thought on April Fool's that you were getting fooled. You thought Jeff Passan got hacked yet again by some NFT guy. Instead, a real tweet says that Jacob DeGrom will be shut down. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks with a stress reaction in his right scapula. I read that pretty quickly after having meatballs and thought he was talking spatulas and I was at Aunt Claire's. But no, it's a scapula. It's some kind of bone near your shoulder. You can give us more of an analysis on that. But I'm thinking to myself, just give us one start. Just give us DeGrom Thursday, literally hours after I bought tickets to go to the game Thursday. DeGrom's not pitching. Day later, we learn Scherzer might not pitch. Because of a hamstring. And we just wanted one week of just a full rotation. And now we wait. <laughs> I can't remember the last time that's ever happened for the Mets, right? A full week of the full rotation as advertised. You can go back to the Fab Five when we kept thinking, oh, oh, well, they never really pitched together. I think they only had two turns through that rotation when it had the five aces in the four years that they had them because somebody was always hurt, somebody always got hurt, or somebody was already out for the season. I just don't want to play spring games. It's like spring games, Like, can we, can we just like throw the ball in the backyard in March and then just start the season in April? Listen, this is the pain of being a Mets fan and why we have more perseverance, why we're stronger than your average human being, why we're stronger than Yankee fans, why we're stronger than any other fan. Because the BS that we have been through with this franchise Franchise, from the old ownership to switching to new to the dildo in the locker. Finally, I get a first reference of this season if you're a listener of Amazing But True. All the things we have gone through with this team from A to Z, the Harvey saga. We can write a book on it, 30 for 30. Now this. But let me tell you this, Figgy and Mets fans, like Buck Showalter said, it's raining. 
The sky is not falling. The hope here, and you could break down this injury as a pitcher, is that Jacob DeGrom will be back throwing in May and somewhere around, what, June 1st? Before the summer begins, we will see DeGrom and hopefully Scherzer out there with Bassett and all will be okay. But with the past, with what we've seen and 11 different injuries from Jacob DeGrom since last summer, is that maybe he comes back and gets hurt again. But this is not the sky falling, Figgy. We do hope he'll be back. This isn't a season-ending injury yet. So break down DeGrom injury, and are you confident that we're going to see him back? I'm confident we're going to see him back. A stress reaction is what he had. And so that's just when they do the MRI, there's something that shows up on the bone. There's just too much torque. There's too much force being created on the bone. That's the actual scapula. So the scapula happens to be uh, if you take your shoulder blades and you try and touch your shoulder blades together behind you, not ju- not the top like one part. of these. Yeah. So those two things in the back that you normally can see underneath the chicken parm. <laughs> Pro baby thinking about chicken parm. <laughs> what you have is a, that pointy bone at the bottom. That's the tip of your scapula. You can feel it if you reach behind I feel your back. something. So right there is where there's a stress reaction. When he felt it when he was playing catch, and normally you feel soreness in there all the time. Uh, it's just throwing is a very unnatural motion, the overhand throwing. And overhand throwing at 99 miles an hour with a 94-mile-an-hour slider is not natural. And the more that Jacob has been able to do this, and we keep marveling by it, right? We went from he was a 94-mile-an-hour pitcher when he first came up with the Mets. Now he's sitting at 99 miles an hour, topping out at 102, and we're marveling at it. It's not normal. And what happens with these hard throwers is, they break down a lot faster. The body is not capable of withstanding all the different things. And so each little injury that you see to DeGrom, although it's not the two major ones that used to be, remember it was just the rotator cuff injury and you would have Tommy John. Those are the only two you ever heard of for a pitcher. Well, I think that's why people aren't as worried because it's not, you know, elbow, shoulder, exactly. Right, but here's the thing. We know how to train and fix those two. We don't know how to fix a scapula. A stress reaction to a scapula, it just says, hey, Stop doing whatever hurts you. It's the Fozzie Bear, right? Hey, Doc, it hurts when I do that. Well, don't do that. So that's why he's being shut down for four weeks. And then they're going to test it again to make sure that that stress reaction is no longer there or it has uh, dissipated somewhat. I read that with time, that gets better, right? With rest, he should get somewhat better, you think? Could be, but then it will flare up again if he goes. And it's different when you're throwing flat ground to when you're throwing off the mound. The intensity that happens when you throw off a mound, the slope of the mound increases things like that, those stress reactions, Mm -hmm. increases all the things. Like normally when you see pitchers, they're like, oh, I felt great going into my bullpen, my my warm-up bullpen to see if I was going to be active, you know, activated the next week. That's where you see guys have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit because the force that you put going off of a mound is way different than flat ground. Unfortunately, we won't know anything until he's full bore throwing. And if he's able to walk away the next day and not feel that same uh, discomfort, and soreness. I mean, I think this is something that he's probably had in the past and he's pitched through it. Technology has led us to find more problems with more things because they now can see more more different things than just the two, like I said, the rotator cuff and, and the elbow. So for me, I'm always of the ilk. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so if I can have a healthy Max Scherzer and a healthy Jacob deGrom for the second half of the season, I'm all for it. The Mets have to be able to survive this figure and your hope is if this happens and it's October and it's seven-game series, best of seven, you don't have Jacob DeGrom, you're screwed. You're almost better if Scherzer doesn't start opening day because if that game's played, the conditions aren't going to be great. It's going to be a wet field. He tears his hamstring coming down on a pitch, 
and then you know the sky is falling down because the Mets are without their two aces. Guys got to step up. Figgy McGill's got to step up. Trevor Williams had a very good spring. I don't like to look at spring numbers, but his role becomes more important. Mm-hmm. We might see a you know a opening day bullpen game if they do play. You know it might end up being a doubleheader Friday, which means a lot of arms are going to get involved, and you're going to see some of these guys. One of these new guys you might see. J-Rod, Joely Rodriguez, they trade for. They trade Miguel Castro, and I don't mind this trade because Miguel Castro to me was Familia Jr. when it came to, you know, pro baby thinking about chicken parma and my uh, cholesterol going up and my agita and, you know, heart disease coming, (laughs) which might come from my diet, but it also might have came from guys like Castro who picked it up in the second half of the year. His numbers were respectable. But something about him, I wasn't in love with Miguel Castro, and maybe I won't be in love with Joely Rodriguez, but you do bring a guy who was, you know, lefties were 205 hitting against him. He did well with the Yankees, sub-3 ERA. They did need an arm. This was like a eh, whatever kind of trade. is the first deal they've made since, what was it, Felix Heredia for Mike Stan in yeah. like 2004. Now you have Rodriguez with a guy who's just making the team now, chasing Shreve, who had a good spring. You have two pretty good lefties. But I think we could agree on the fact that they probably still need an arm. One of them off the board, Craig Kimbrell for Pollock. The rich get richer. I mean, it's unbelievable what the Dodgers are doing. And we'll get into what the Padres did too. But probably still need another arm. But for now, you have two pretty decent lefties who are going to have to face, you know, Harper. Cream of the crop. Olsen. Bell, Schwarber, they have a lot of lefties in the division. And that's where J-Rod coming to face these guys, where he's going to have to face at least, at least three had mm-hmm. three hitters because there's no more one guy and you're out of there. Oh yeah, so uh, well let's let's hit on the Castro thing first. So the Castro thing for me was um, he was lights out, learned how to throw a changeup, um, was very aggressive with his changeup in the first half, and then all of a sudden in the second half he didn't have the same changeup. His slider wasn't necessarily having the same sharpness to it. It was kind of flat rolling through the zone. I felt you could attribute that to uh, they cut down on the sticky stuff. He was one of those guys that his spin rates changed immensely. Um, the Mets knowing that. You know, he pitched only a few times this spring, did well enough because he had a zero ERA. And they said, you know what? If we need to move a guy, he's probably the guy to move. Plus, he throws, you know, 98 to 100 miles an hour. It's a very good option for a lot of teams. So it works out well for the Yankees. It gives them another uh, power arm in that bullpen. For the Mets, getting Rodriguez. It's yet to be seen. He's had some success. He's had some failure. Uh, maybe he's turned the corner, but we've seen this with a lot of Mets relievers that they go out and get where it was like, oh, yeah, he's figured it out. High fastballs, breaking balls in the dirt. Now when teams realize, okay, now we know who the lefty is that we might face and they're going to scout him better and they're going to know what he throws and they're going to see patterns in what he throws or what he can and can't do. Chasing Shreve is the guy that, you know, he's a little bit more unpredictable. He has that split finger, which has nasty action. It's almost a hard knuckleball. The way he throws it, usually he had he had a bunch of success with the Mets. So are they the two guys that you sit there and go, wow, this is going to be a great matchup for us? Not necessarily, but that unpredictability is the thing that I count count on and seeing if they can continue to get those uh, big names out in big situations. I think when you look at it on paper, the bullpen has a lot of question marks. Yeah. It, it has for quite some time, and that's why I was so shocked about the whole Kimbrel trade, and I didn't even realize that it was only for A.J. Pollock. Don't get me wrong, A.J. Pollock's a nice player. But Craig Kimbrell is 
probably the premier closer in the game. He's the most consistent closer in the game. And the only reason he faltered at, at all last season was they made him an eighth inning guy. And in the eighth inning, it seems like every closer does this. They can't seem to get the outs the same way they do in the ninth. Nobody knows why that is, but he fell victim to it as well. He was a name that we kept hearing possibly come to New York. And I would have traded two pieces besides, you know, say a Dom Smith and, or an outfielder, a Brandon Nimmo, uh, Conforto still out there. You know, and give a deal to Conforto and get Kimbrel back in return for a Nimmo and other pitcher something trade. That was something that I could possibly see because we kept hearing the rumors about Kimbrel possibly being traded to the Mets. I said Kimbrel or Hater, and yeah, there yeah. goes one. Now, now it's down a, a Hater. Now it's down to Hater, and Hater <laughs> is that left. That Hater is the name that you would like to see from the left yeah. side against any lefty. We'll in a big see you situation. later, Chase and Shreve. If they get Hater, I don't <laughs> think they would have three lefties in the bed. No, most likely not. But anybody that you could move, you would move to make room for that guy. I feel like Degrom. I, I now worry every time I see like pictures of him having fun in the outfield, feeling bald. Protect the scapula. Protect your scapula. <laughs> stretch it out. I don't want to see Degrom anywhere besides a mound. Like, yeah. can he be bubble boy? Can we put him in a bubble? That's roll what... him out. Pop it with a pin. Put him on the field and have him throw. Have him do nothing else. Someone deliver the pizza. I don't want him picking up the pizza. When he picked up that Port St. Lucie pizza, might have hurt his scapula. Getting the pepperoni and the mushrooms. Let's just keep it on the mound and everything else. I want him to do nothing else. Like, so does baseball. So that, why do you think they? Did Universal DA isolate him, Baseball. treat him like COVID. Just put him, put him, in a, put him in a room, lock him in, and you know quarantine Jacob Degrom for the next. 27 weeks or however long this so, season You know goes. what the sad part is? is It's very similar to Juan Lagares, right? Juan Lagares was such a great defensive player. And what was his downfall? Injuries. Why? Because he's such a great defensive player. Every time he dove and made a catch, you But at cringe. least he got hurt playing. We don't know what the DeGrom, DeGrom but De, could be but hurt DeGrom got the hurt. DeGrom got hurt pitching. Are we sure? We're sure. You, you don't might hurt. have fielded a ball in the outfield. Yeah. I don't know. You're not hurting your scapula fielding a ball. All the scapula talk has me hungry for Lavo meatballs at the garden. At the dollar charity what are like 16 bucks so far <laughs> through three episodes the other piece of news figgy from over the weekend was the Mets saying no to trading Dom Smith to the Padres and Twitter Mets Twitter was ready to riot mm-hmm. the streets I would have lived with the trade, but when I started thinking about it and the dynamics of it, you think of off the field, you think of chemistry, you think of how it would go in the clubhouse. And here you were going to bring in Chris Paddock, who had the noted rivalry with Pete Alonso, Rookie of the Year. That was, noted, that was one quote. Yeah, but noted time. to come at people on Twitter. I don't know if he would have worked here in New York, and his numbers wouldn't exactly say it's a pitching upgrade. It kind of felt like a reactionary move, bringing him and the reliever, uh, Pagan, along with Eric Cosmer, who, yes, the Padres would have been paying a lot of the contract, but is he even an upgrade over a Dom who is in the prime and ready to take up? I don't know if he is. They're similar defensively, both left-hand hitters. I don't know if he would have been a huge upgrade. And also, he's the guy, and Mets fans still sour about this, that you know scored the winning run in the World Series in Game 5. Left me heartbroken. Center field, Jake, you got you to gotta leave the stadium. I'm like, what do you got to do? You don't have an event here till like the Grateful <laughs> Dead next year. Come on. like Dead and company. By the way, enough of that. Anyways, Dom Smith. The chemistry would have kind of been messed up. This guy is beloved in the clubhouse. Listen, he would chemistry is messed up with who? There's nobody from the 2015 team that's going to remember Pat- what Hosmer did. Dude is long gone. I didn't think they were getting enough. If they got an elite reliever along with those two, I would have done it. But I think the optics of it weren't good. Steve Cohn clearly went on Twitter was like, oh, my God, Mets fans are going to be crying if this happens. I think that would have been a kind of a reactionary move. I think there's a better move out there. And I'm fine with that. If it's Dom Smith for Josh Hader, I don't think any Mets fans like, nah, let's not do that. 
We love Dom Smith, but we know that he's a valuable piece in a trade potentially. Although I'd rather trade J.D. Davis, uh, but I think they like having the right-handed bat there. I think the Mets were probably smart in backing off this move. And then, of course, Sean Manea goes to the Padres. and Another rich get richer. Another team that might duke it out with the Mets for a potential wild card. Were you happy they did not do that deal, or were you been in favor of Dom for Paddock and Hosmer? And No, the Paddock and Hosmer thing, I think, again, it's a big contract. You're going to have to eat a lot of that money as well. Even though the Padres are going to pay some some of it, part two, the Cano trade that they did a few years ago, right? You're going to have two guys mm-hmm. now that you really had to play or had to play enough of to get some value back for what they're getting paid, it would kind of handcuff you a little bit. I think the versatility in Dom Smith, being able to play left field, being able to play first base, being able to DH, and uh, you know that, that makes him a lot more valuable to the team and to any team right now. So if you're going to do a trade and if it's not in your favor, if you're not going to win this trade, I think Tampa Bay is one of those teams that every time they make a trade, they win the trade. The Mets can't lose that trade. You can't sit there and go, ah, we shouldn't have. No, it wasn't a must move. I think it was a little bit of a panic reaction. And you said Paddock, okay, good arm. You know, he has potential. But Paddock has never pieced it together. He's never kept it together. He had a nice month in his rookie season that he wanted a Rookie of the Year award for. Meanwhile, Alonzo goes and hits 53 home runs. So it's a little bit different of uh, where those two careers have, have gone since then. I don't think Met fans would have minded seeing Hosmer. Hosmer can do some good things, and sometimes a, a change in scenery does you some good. But I think when Hosmer got paid and then he went over to the Padres, I don't know, he just seemed to be like Joe Cool and never really showed any kind of emotion of, uh, you know, ah, we, we didn't make the playoffs. I, you never really heard that. of him. He's going to concerts. He's going to doing all that stuff. So to me, it was a little bit of a Matt Harvey 2.0. I do enjoy a good concert well, here. This guy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also not making $25 million a year. It, he was just always, you just saw him out and about and always, you know, being on social media about all the great things he's attending people. He's Leave he that to me, Eric. Leave exactly. that to the pod father, not you. You play first base. I'll do the party. I want, I want if I'm going to get something for Dom Smith, I'm looking for bigger. I'm looking yeah. for, I'm looking for a Kimbrel. I'm looking for a hater. Oh, I still can't nice. believe the Kimbrel went to the Dodgers. It, yeah, it just, just brutal. Frankie Montes still out there. There's going to be a trade to be had, and I think the Mets are going to wait to see what happens with DeGrom. Because listen, if DeGrom's out for the year, the Mets are making a deal. I mean, they cannot survive mm-hmm. with what they got. So let's break this team down. Let's make our predictions, and then we'll go around quickly the rest of the league and make our predictions. All right, starting with catcher, basically. Nito, McCann, a lot of Mets fans want Nito. We'll see. They're pretty much similar bats. Nito had similar numbers offensively. You know, had a little bit of pop last year, so catcher is going to be interesting between those two. First base, Figgy, Alonzo, Dom, we'll probably see them two split time. I know Cano's been playing a little bit at first. In spring, maybe he gets a couple starts there, but that leaves us a second where it's going to be Cano and McNeil mostly at second splitting time. DH is just saving this team. I mean, DH gives this team a lot of flexibility. Shortstop Lindor, if hurt, Guillaume. Third base, you'll probably see Escobar, who just seems like a fun guy. He's like a nice Twitter follower. And, so, and he's so solid. He's such a solid, solid player. player. Like he's, yeah. he's one of those guys that are so under the radar that you don't even realize how good he's been in his career. I love him in this lineup because, again, it's not the name that jumps off the page. But go ahead. Leave him a slider over he's the middle of the plate. too. Yeah, leave he's him a slider over the middle of the plate. See what happens. He's going to be the guy that walks off as a game MVP for several nights where you know he's not the guy that's expected to do anything. And you have flexibility there where you might see J.D. make some stuff. You have McNeil's played there, and Escobar will be your best defensive third baseman. And then if you need, you have Guillaume. So the good thing about this Mets infield, there's a lot of mixing and matching that can be done. The fact that 
you could have Cano be your third first baseman if anything were to happen. Or if Dom gets traded, then you maneuver some things around. Outfield is going to be interesting because it seems like Marte is going to play right. We thought he was the automatic center fielder, but the Mets seem like Nimmo could be playing center, but I think we're going to see some mixing and matching there. And then left, we will see Canna. So Canna, Nimmo, Marte, maybe some moving around. Backups, you have McNeil could play the outfield too if needed. And it seems like Jankowski will make this team. So if there's an injury or a day off or a doubleheader, we might see a Jankowski spot start. Position by position, let me hear your thoughts. Uh, first off, we'll start out with the catcher's position. Nito has gotten better and better every year. Uh, he was a batting title champion winner back in the Florida State League, just never got the at-bats, the regular playing time to really continue to piece And he's growing game. on me because I didn't like him at first, but when he's he, growing on me. When he has gotten the playing time, he was playing over McCann for quite some time last season to the point where you know people were like, oh, why, why even play McCann? You know, Every time you play McCann, it's an 0 for 4. You know, he might throw somebody out. That's great. But you're paying $10 million for basically a backup because that's what he has been his whole career and has not been able to put it together to be called a viable or valuable starter. Nito, I think if he gets that amount of playing time, would do better. So you might see more of a split. You go to first base, of course, you have Pete Alonso, Dom Smith, those two guys. You're hearing about Cano being a possible backup. I think that's more of an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. DH. You've got five, everyone. six guys. Yeah, you have everyone depending on – instead of giving him a day off, a full day off, you give him a day off of you know playing the field, you keep his hot bat in the lineup. That'll be excellent for a lot of times where I think Buck Showalter will be like, I'm going to ride this guy's hot bat right now and, and use him instead of putting him off for a few games. Well, the, the mental health breaks and all that stuff. Well, I that, assume it's going to be Dom versus righties and JD versus lefties, right, at the DH? Yep. Out the shoot, I think it's going to be that way. And then Cano will mix a match in there. Yeah, McNeil. Uh, exactly. I think that there's just so, so many different things that you can do. It should be a plus, but you could also see it becoming a problem as well because somebody's not going to be happy, you know, mm-hmm. with their playing time. Somebody's going to be happy with their at bats where they're only, you know, pinch hitting here and there, and and or coming in with a double switch late in the game. You know, you're going to see a full defensive replacement team come in there at some point because they do have those bodies on the bench. Having Marte be able to move from right to center and stick by somebody else in right, that's always going to help because Marte is a gold glove caliber center fielder, um, which really surprises me that, you know, they, they haven't just let him play there. Um, Nimmo's got some pictures or something. <laughs> like, what's going on yeah, there? It, it, it's it's I, stiff neck. Uh, I, don't I, know. I, Hopefully he's okay, I just think, way. you know, I, I like Brandon Nimmo. I like his, you know, on-base percentage. I think he has the power to hit 20 home runs um, if he swung the bat more instead of taking call strike three to try and prove he has the best eye in baseball. Um, leave that to Joey Votto. With a guy like Marte being able to range over a lot more from the right field line into the right center field, it puts Nimmo from center field to the left field, uh, mm-hmm. you know, left center field. So his area that he has to roam is going to be a little bit less. So no matter what, Marte has that center field range and ability that um, you can take advantage of. And he has a uh, stronger arm than Brandon Nimmo. For sure. Left field, of course, McNeil is going to get the first crack out there, but you can put J.D. Davis out there. We've seen everybody out there in left field. Well, uh, Canna's going to be the starter. Can, I know, but Canna, can, you got Canna as well. Um, McNeil's second base. But there's so many different things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Escobar, we already touched on. Lindor is going to have, uh, I believe, a, a huge bounce back year. Big year for Lindor. I think I it's going to be a huge bounce back year. I think you're going to see the regular Lindor that – was you know what you were hoping you were going to see when the the big money was thrown his way and and is is capable of doing a lot more things especially with having Marte at the top of the lineup to score on a base hit in the gap Nimmo who has to steal more bases maybe Marte can 
somehow help him unlock that potential because it's not his foot speed. He's one of the fastest guys in baseball, um, and you see him always at the top of the list. He was one, st- I think, a smidge slower than Rosario, and Rosario was considered just one smidge slower than Trey Turner, yet these guys couldn't steal bases. Marte can do those things, and you hope that Nimmo can it can rub off a little bit as well. So Yeah, and seeing Marte is you're getting a ticket to the electric factory. I mean, the way he runs the bases, he is the gazelle out there, and Nimmo is just a low IQ base runner. He just makes oh, yeah. a base running no, blunder. I don't want him see, get like seen caught Murphy up, with picked off. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like at times I'm like, you run to first, and then you don't know how to run any other base. Stop. <laughs> like, save your energy. Walk to first like a normal. Like, as fun as it is, and I like you, blah, 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 the good Lord above you, you know, Sister Act 3 coming soon. Just chill. Like, chill to first and then be smart around the other bases. All right, we talked about the rotation, Figgy. Yep. And as you said, Lindor, I'm rocking his jersey. I have a customized jersey that is on in the mail and on the way. Uh-oh. Hopefully for next show. We'll see. I'll be in D.C. all four, get back Sunday night. I don't know if I'll have it for next show, but the week after, I will bring in studio my new jersey purchase, which I think you will like. The rotation we, we talked about, without DeGrom, and we'll say Scherzer's in right now because hamstring, he should be okay. Scherzer, Bassett, Walker, Carrasco, McGill, your backups you have in there are Peterson and Trevor Williams. I think we like the rotation, but we're going to need to see Carrasco step up, and we're going to need to see first-half Walker more than we saw second-half mm-hmm. Walker. Bullpen, that's where we said we they need another arm. Lugo need a bounce back here. Trevor May, hit or miss. Uh, he's also fun with his vlogging that he does. Mm-hmm. Adam Adovino is due for a, a solid year. A, has experience in New York. It's an even year. He should be good. The other guy, Joel Rodriguez, we talked about. Diaz. Good luck to your heart. And Drew Smith is kind of an X factor in the bullpen, and we'll see what he does. But that's pretty much the bullpen. Lugo, May, Adovino, Rodriguez, Shreve, Drew Smith, and the closer, Edwin Diaz. And then you'll have Trevor Williams likely as the long man. Edwin Diaz actually had better numbers than Liam Hendricks. So when you keep saying the six blown saves... Remember that. That's one a month. One a Still, month. The, he had other times I'll where he was myself. shaking. It's one. I don't care how it, I don't care how the sausage is made. I just want the sausage to be tasty. As long as Diaz gets the job done, I don't care if he loads the bases and strikes all three guys out. That's that's part. That's part of riding that wave with the closer. He has to. If that's what it takes for him to get the adrenaline up to get the the outs. He only had six blown saves. Everyone keeps acting as if he has six blown saves a month. That's not what happens. One blown save a month. And actually, he had him. Remember, he had three almost in a row right there, that Pittsburgh series. Um, he had those three blown saves in a row where the rest of the season, he was fantastic. So, Sal Akata and you. Shout out to Sal. Sal shout out to Sal. It's, it's the ball guys. It's the ball guys who can't see past that Diaz. Yeah, he yeah. hates Diaz worse oh, God. than me. That Diaz. And I get it. Listen, I get it. You want. Mariano, when you see your closer come in. Shout Mariano. out to Sal, who just came up, by the way. He's the full-time host of Baseball Night in New York now. Very so, nice. Congrats. Mariano Rivera is not coming back. I wish he would because there's just some. I just can't trust. It's the big games. I think Diaz. It's just scary in a big spot where he struggles a little bit. That's and, what I worry and, about. And and he's gotten better at it. And he remember he was only 24 years old when they got him that trade. He came to New York from playing in Seattle, and it, it's a, a world of difference. He's learned. I think he's learned a lot. I think he's gotten better. Am I sitting here saying let's trust him all? The, oh my God, Jim Brewer. I can't believe I forgot Jim Brewer on on who hates Diaz. But Jim Brewer was another one. Every time Diaz blew a save, he would write to me and be like, yeah, he looks good. He looks like he's figured it out. So I, I get it. I understand Mets fans, but uh, I think Edwin Diaz is going to still be uh, a, a very good 
closer. I think it would be nice to have someone else that can kind of, I, I think baseball has to do that more of this is you got to go with somebody else to save games. You can't rely on that one guy to be the 50, 60 save guy anymore. Those guys are gone. Um, you know, even though the Mets had one with Familia, he's now with the Phillies. He's their problem now. Right. And it's okay. I'm okay with it. But I think Diaz is, is due to be a little bit more consistent and have more opportunities to save games and be uh, out there a little more often than just, you know, twice a week. I hope so, because I don't know how much I could put up with him if he blows, <laughs> you know, opening day. Here I it is. Wait. Blown save. <laughs> season over. All righty. Before Mike Puma, the New York Post joins us. Here we go, folks. Cue the music. It's time to make our prediction. So, Figgy, starting off with the New York Mets. Now, if DeGrom is okay, we hear in May he's throwing, he's back in the field. I still feel very good about this team. Scherzer hopefully stays healthy. This is assuming everyone stays healthy. Bassett, I like the offense. I think they're going to make moves and get better. It's a very tough division. But I think with all the Mets did in the offseason, with Buck Showalter as the manager of this team, with all the bats they have and the DH being added, I think the New York Mets win 94 games wow. this season. 94 and 68. Mm. They win the National League East. And the Mets beat the Dodgers and go to the World Series. That's right. The Mets wow. World Series champions in 2022 and they defeat the chicago white Sox. it's new york it's chicago and the mets win the world series and yes you can say to me figgy look at the braves they got olsen they bring acuna back look at the nationals you know they bring in you know all these nelson cruz they bring Doolittle, caesar and look at the phillies they bring in schwarber and castellanos I still think the Mets, when healthy, are the cream of the crop with that top three in the rotation and all the flexibility in the lineup, add a reliever, and the Mets win. Now, the rest of my picks, Figgy, the East Mets, NL Central Cardinals, NL West Dodgers, Wild Cards, Braves, Brewers, Giants, AL, Blue Jays, White Sox, Astros, Wild Card, Rays, Yankees, Twins, and again, the White Sox win the AL. But... The New York Mets are the 2022 World Series champions. That's a bold prediction. I, I don't think um, I'm far off from that in mind. I do think the totals are going to be a little bit different. I don't think nine, I think 94 is very lofty, especially without Jacob DeGrom. Being generous, yeah. Yeah, without Jacob DeGrom being there. Um, for me, I, I think when he does come back, you are going to see this team be able to put together eight game winning streaks pretty regularly. Um, when it's only one of those guys, you'd be looking at a five-game winning streak at most. Um, if you can go one time through the rotation, great. And, you know, you hope that that back-end guy doesn't blow it. Or DS. <laughs> or DS. But uh, I have the Mets also winning the NL East. Let's I have, go. I have the Braves having the wild one of the wild cards. I have the Brewers winning the Central. Dodgers winning the West. I have San Diego. I have the Phillies being one of the wild card right. teams because of their lineup. Because in games where they score six runs or more, they were like top 10 in baseball. And I think this is a lineup that can continue to put up runs in bunches, especially with Castellano Schwarber in that little ballpark. 
You got Bryce Harper still. You got Hoskins. There's a lot of thump in that lineup. However, their bullpen is more than suspect, as always. And even though they added Brad Hand and Familia, um, there's still nobody in there that you're looking at and saying, yeah, this, they've got it locked up when it comes to the eighth and ninth inning. Um, so that, for me, is going to be the Phillies' downfall. I think they will pound teams and, and win games um, the way that we always go with the Rock'em Sock'em Robot reference. Um, I think the Phillies get in there. I think get to a Mets-Dodgers. I think the Mets uh, pull it out and make it to the World Series. Let's go! I do. I do. Now I'm going to go. Wait, how many wins are the Mets? What do you have? I, I got them right around 89 to 90, and I think that's going to be enough because really? yeah, I think it's going to be enough because I think this is going to be way more competitive um, uh, all the way around. I think there was some down. Uh, some teams had all over down years. I know the Nationals. You're thinking, oh, it's only there's only Soto in that lineup. Nelson Cruz is going to do some damage. Um, they're going to be able to score some runs. They're going to be able to pitch a little bit too. You got some young arms that, that are going to start making uh, uh, themselves known. Um, the Florida Marlins are always the X factor, man. They can be really good some nights. They can be really bad other nights. So in a three-game series, you got to beat them two out of three. If you lose series to the Marlins, that's where the Marlins find a way to creep into the conversation of not making the playoffs but being a spoiler for every team that they play. So you say 90 wins for the I, Mets. I say, right. I say 89 to 90 wins. Oh, right, we'll right go with there. 90. We'll be generous. Oh, and I, I think it's Braves second, third Phillies, Nats fourth, Marlins fifth. Yes, so, I, agree, I agree with that. And so now I'll go to AL, AL East, Toronto. Yep. Um, they just uh, Their lineup should have helped them do it last year. They got a lot of pitching help. Um, I think they're going to really uh, run away with the division this year. Tampa Bay is going to be there, of course, so they're my wild card from there. Uh, the White Sox in the Central, because there's no other team. Is there another team? No. <laughs> twins will be interesting, but I have the Twins as a wild card, maybe, yes. but that, not many what, wins. Yep, yeah. that's what I have. I have the Twins as a wild card because just there's just no other, other teams, really. When you look at the West, uh, with the Angels, with all the things that they've added, a healthy Shohei and a healthy Trout, you would hope, Noah. you would hope, a Noah, a modified Noah. That's what I like to call him now. He's modified. Everything they're doing is to catering to him. I, I think that, you know, they can make a push. I would love to see the Angels. They have too many stars. They have too many good players for these guys to not make the playoffs and be irrelevant by, Ju- by July. I, it's a shame. So, um, But I still think... Um, we said the White Sox. We said who was from the Central? Uh, you said the Twins, wild Twins card. Wild you have card. Rays as a wild card. Uh, and you have the Astros in the West? I have the Astros winning the West. And then the other wild card, you have the Yankees in? No. No Yankees. No Yankees. I have the Red Sox. You have the Rays, Red Sox, Twins. Okay. Yep. I, have all, I, have all, I have all three of those guys from the East. I have uh, Toronto playing the White Sox. I have Toronto playing the White Sox and Toronto. Going to the World Series. So you're what you're telling me is that Brandon Nimmo cannot play in the World Series, essentially, <laughs> in Toronto home games, is what you're saying, and maybe other Mets as well, if go. nothing changes by October. Do the Mets beat the Jays, or are you taking the six side boys? Uh, that's a, that's that's again it's a tough a tough one. You love to pick the Mets to win the World Series, and I want to do it more than anything. Is that I think the leadership is there finally. You have a manager in Buck Showalter that will make a huge difference and not just the seasonal wins, but in playoff wins. And everybody says, oh, well, he's never done it before. Listen, when a guy has done it as long as he has and pays attention to details the way that he has, all he needs is a chance to get into the dance. You get into the dance with those two big horses healthy 
And, it, you know, the, the D-backs were set up that way before. And Buck was let go before it happened with having uh, Johnson and Schilling. And they rode those coattails to a World Series championship against a, a Goliath of a team in the Yankees who had just won three out of four World Series. So that, to me, is going to be the difference maker. It's actually Buck Showalter being able to lead this team. So spit it out. Land. I... I if everyone's healthy. We'll put that to the side because I agree, of If course. everyone's healthy in the second half and they're able to put that charge into it, I got the Mets being able to take this thing all the way. Say it with flares. I just say said it. it. That Scream was, it from the top of your with, lungs. Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. <laughs> so, I, I, the Met, if they're all healthy, the Mets will win the World Series. Let's go. And Amazing But True agrees. The New York Mets are the 2022 World Series champions. And Jake and Figgy are on a flow down the Canyon of Heroes. That's the New York World. The Canyon. The Canyon. (laughs) With James McCannon. Wow. Take the cannons out to the freaking mayor's office. We're coming, Eric. Eric, I know I was partying with you on Monday at the build party. But now we're partying together on a float. In October, actually November probably, uh, it'll be November, uh, when the Mets win the World Series. I'm all hyped up now, ready to go. I don't even need a coffee. We're ready to go. And Mike Puma is ready to go. Remember, we're here every Monday, Monday morning record, Monday afternoon shows will drop. And Mike Puma is going to give us his predictions and break down everything that's happening with the New York Mets next on Amazing But True. They got a drink here called the Voodoo Bucket. Have you seen that? All right, joining us now for the first time on season three of Amazing But True is our New York Post Mets beat writer, Mike Puma. Follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Mets and read his stories in the post, nypost.com and post sports plus puma final days in florida looking good despite the clouds there obviously we know the news about jacob Degrom, max scherzer now with the hamstring how does this rotation shake out going into that opening weekend in dc assuming he doesn't pitch opening day i would guess my educated guess is we would get tyler mcgill on thursday and then maybe scherzer on friday if he comes through his uh He's going to throw a side session on Tuesday. So if he comes through that, okay. I think Buck might be leaning in that direction, McGill, uh, and then Scherzer. But he he can do a few different things if he wants. But, uh, you know, that would be my educated guess right now. Being down in the clubhouse again and having that full access, what was that like this season? It's been been excellent because, you know, the last two years with the uh, COVID restrictions, we weren't able to get in there and we were limited to doing everything on Zoom. And it's really a whole new back to normal than, you know, a new world, getting that interaction again with players and uh, getting to reestablish some relationships. I I think it makes it a a lot better for everybody, players and obviously for media because it makes it easier for us to do our job. But I think it's good for the players, too. And and there's not the I think some edges developed last year when you're doing all your interviews on on Zoom, whereas, you know, sometimes the players maybe feel as they're being if they're being interrogated because it's just a voice on a flat screen coming at them as opposed to a person standing there. So it's been good as far as uh, getting back in the clubhouse this year. The the ambiance in the clubhouse with Buck Showalter. Have you felt it it be uh, much different than, I mean, the last time you were there was Mickey Calloway, you know, Luis Rojas, of course, a um, first time manager with Buck. Did it feel like a different atmosphere there in the clubhouse? Not so much in the clubhouse because Buck kind of stays out of there and lets the players, uh, you know, do their own thing in there. But the thing I know is just how hands on 
Buck has been in, in this camp as far as, you know, and we've all heard it before about Buck. His attention to detail is legendary. And, you know, he got down here and he's really been involved in, in running a lot of the drills, uh, you know, whether it's the rundown drill or base running or uh, hitting the cutoff. And he's out there barking out instructions. And it's not, I, it's not for eyewash. I, he really is into that stuff and making sure the game is played the right way. And, you know, he knows that, you know, you, you win and lose games with the atten- that kind of attention to fundamentals. So that's where I've noticed it is, is just the level of involvement uh, with the manager himself, not delegating everything to his coaches as uh, as most managers do at this time of year. Buck Showalter has already been a quote machine for you guys, but when the season actually comes and we get actual questions and important answers, it seems like he's going to be great. He's going to give you guys a ton of headlines at the New York Post. I imagine you're enjoying that side of this whole Buck Showalter thing. He had a quote the other day, and I had never heard it before. I thought I found it funny. Buck said, uh, the, sky, the sky isn't falling, it's just rain. I, I thought that was a, a pretty cool comment. Summed up what he thought of the situation. And I, yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of Buckisms like that as as the year goes along here. We're going to need a segment on the show called Buckisms. Is the sky falling, though? Puma fans are nervous. DeGrom will hopefully be back June 1st. They'll probably make a move. They think they'll be more aggressive. But should fans and should people have the outlook that the sky is falling? Or is it just too early for that? Yeah, I think that's the thing uh, we're learning here about Billy Epler is he is aggressive and he, I, I don't think he'll sit back. And, you know, the, I, the key is really going to be, yeah, you, you got to get to Grom back and have him pitch a, a good portion of the season. Obviously, obviously, you want Scherzer out there for at least 25 starts. But those guys behind them, that the two, you know, Bassett, I, I don't worry about so much. It's Taiwan Walker and uh, Cookie Carrasco, kind of what you're going to get out of them, both guys who now walk was an all-star the first half of last season then fell apart down the stretch Carrasco really never got on track with the the hamstring injury and he's since undergone uh, the elbow surgery that removed the uh the bone fragment so those are the two guys I think you're, you're concerned about what what you're going to get out of them but uh you know having Tyler McGill certainly a guy like that is imperative you, you want to see David Peterson have a a, a bounce back uh, after his rough uh, sophomore year um, because you're, you're going to need David Peterson at some point. All right, Puma, prediction time. I need your predictions for the 2022 New York Mets. I'm going 89 wins, second place, National League East, wild card berth. All right, do they go on a playoff run, win the World Series, or is it the Dodgers are just too good? I'm going to give them uh, NLCS. How about that? All right, Puma's going 89 and 73, second place, a wild card spot, and a trip to the NLCS. All right, Puma, thanks for coming on. I'll see you in DC. I'll be there. Maybe we'll have a few beers, have a safe trip back to New York, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the games. All right, sounds good. This year is going to be a special year. All right, Figgy, that's it for Amazing But True. This is, man, we are getting deep into it. This is episode 98 of Amazing But True. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me produce the show. Of course, our Mets podcast from the New York Post dropping every Monday. So I'm going to the whole series in D.C. Any ideas? I'm staying near the Pentagon. Since there might be a rain out or two, hopefully I'm okay over there. Mm. (laughs) 
there's a rain out or two, what should I do in D.C.? And I'm excited to see Amazing But True listeners. If you're there, let me know. I'll bring a couple shirts to give out, and, and we'll get some of the best reactions from fans on Monday's podcast. But what do I do down in D.C. this weekend? What don't you do? You're a single man down in D.C. where the Mets are opening up. What You should be able to walk freely throughout the city and, and find fun things to do. Remember, I was there a long time ago. Back in my day, back when, back when I signed it for a Young Hearts. Yeah, so for me, I, I couldn't give you a place. I don't even know those places are still open. I haven't been there since COVID. So um, we are going to be somewhere nearby, actually, in Maryland, I think. Um, are you? No, 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 no. That's, no, no, no. that's, that's not yet. way. Uh, that's in a couple I was of wishful, weeks. I was wishful thinking. Yeah, you're, you're just trying to get on the road. Wishful thinking. I just, <laughs> like, I get, get me out of New Jersey. I, 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 I need some good weather. I need some baseball weather in, that, in this non-baseball weather time. Oh, of course, the first weekend, we're going to at least have a couple of rain outs. So yep. uh, looking forward to seeing Mets fans down at Nationals Park this weekend. I'm excited for baseball to be back. And Figgy, it was big news on the Twitter sphere last week that the first person to let me know my sweatshirt was spelled wrong was my mom. It was pro-baby thinking about chicken parm and New York Post tweeting it out nonstop of the pro-baby thinking about chicken parm. How do I, you, anyone not say anything? Maybe they just didn't care to say anything, but you thought you would have saw that there was no L. And the craziest thing is Amazon, where I got it, sells it like that. Yeah. They sell it spelled wrong. So whoever manufactured these, it's quite embarrassing Unless, like, I guarantee pro, you, pro, pro, probably, probably, probably. Like, so now that you're now saying, Italians say it, probably. No, oh, oh no, no! I, I guarantee you, that that shirt says "Made in Taiwan." Yeah, maybe. I've seen some of the funniest shirts in Taiwan. I'm, uh, dude, they, this thing spelled wrong. Yeah, well, they they there's no copyright infringement, so they make whatever they want. All the characters, Disney characters. You know, with middle fingers, and it, it, absolutely <laughs> hilarious throughout Taiwan of all the things they did. So I could see them leaving out a letter. Maybe that was trademark. Maybe someone to trademark. Hey. Probably there's some Italian guy who trademarked probably thinking about chicken parm, and they took the L out and got it to a sucker like me who was hungry for chicken parm one night and ordered it, only not to realize I ordered the wrong spelling. Yeah. Mom's no best. Live man. and learn, Mom's brother. No Live yeah. and learn. Mom's Shout out to Mama Brown. Shout out to Mama Brown for Jake. Why was that spelled wrong? What do you mean, Mom? What are you talking about? I thought hearts like Photoshop it by accident the picture i'm like wow this is really spelled wrong for nelson figueroa i'm jake brown we'll return next monday after the first four mets games of the year hopefully i don't get stuck in dc and make it back to new york city looking forward to mets baseball world series champions 2022 thanks for listening to amazing but true and of course let's go mets Kernan, Kernan.